Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a really fun show for you today. We are reviewing an Oscar contender and Regina King's directorial debut, One Night in Miami, which is available on Prime Video. We are also going to get you all caught up on what's popping, including big news for you Harry Potter fans out there. And we are going to wrap up the show with our schoolyard pick of movies we would like to vacation to. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another wonderful episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Actually, episode number 57 of Popcorn for Breakfast. We want to thank you all for being here. Joining me, as always, the incomparable Kirkus McGurkus. Kirk, introduce yourself to the people. Well, there's no better introduction than that. I am Kirkus McGurkus. That is my given Christian name, and it's good to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. Uh, That's that's one of our co-hosts. I am the other co-host. My name is Cameronius Maximus. That's right. The third, third of his name. <laughs> the third of junior. House House Frankfurter. I don't mm. know. I'm I'm mad living <laughs> here. So I just had to. I like it in um, shows. Maybe we'll talk about some of these because we're doing like uh, like different worlds. You know, like we're talking about vacationing to other worlds later. Maybe we'll get into like I like whenever. Um, you know, in like Lord of the Rings, or they do a little bit of this in Harry Potter, but definitely like Game of Thrones, they do like house whatever. It just sounds epic, you know? Yes. Like rather than just being like, yo, my last name is whatever. It's like, I am of House Targaryen, you know? It's like mm. really, it's pretty epic in general. Yeah, um, I feel like I probably have that with my Irishness. Oh, 100%. I, I always what my, what my Irish uh, house of arms is. Uh, it's probably I something even- really cool. I bet it is, man. I think I even found it like, uh, this is morbid. On a, a, a funeral I went to, that they had like this Irish like quilt on the wall in the basement of this church for whatever random reason. And I think, I think it was on there, uh, but I have no idea what it is. I've I've forgotten it. But I would love to know if you know if you know my ancestry out there, listeners. Please <laughs> let me know. I would love to know. It would be good to know. It would be good to know just in general. Um... I don't know. Have you done one of those? Do they tell you that in like the 23andMe? I've not done 23andMe. However, my granddad on my dad's side, he is a fanatic of Ancestry.com. Oh, is he? Fanatic. He lives and breathes and eats it. So I should just text him. Just say, hey, what's what's our house house of cards uh, seal from the Ireland? Yeah. Do we have a crest? Do we have anything cool? I could get like tattooed onto me, you know, just like hit me with all the deets, grandpa. That'd be sick. That'd be sick. That would help us with our, our creating our movies and our scripts. Right. Um, you and I could go on a, a wild goose chase to find my ancestors and see if I have any relatives in Ireland and go to Ireland and have an excuse to peruse across Ireland and watch Irish movies. And I think yes, it would be great. It would be truly great. So um, anyway, I don't know what got us on that. But so the reason we're doing the different worlds today this is, you know how they have all these bizarre, like, national holidays that I'm like, 
or like national day. I shouldn't say holidays. They have like these national day of whatever you can think of. Like there's a million of them. Um, today, Disney parks, like the first thing I saw this morning, I hopped onto Twitter and Disney parks was like, today is national planning a vacation day. I was like, what? (laughs) Or like vacation planning day. And I was like, all right, that's got to go in the podcast. And the reason for that is we cannot really plan vacations right now. I mean, you can, but like you're braver than me. If you are someone who does this, it's, it's scary stuff. Um, because like, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, things are looking good, but let's, We've had a rough year, so let's not count our chickens before they hatch here. Let's let's be uh, let's be overly cautious and yes. highly cautiously optimistic. So, what that means for me is I'm not planning any vacations anytime soon. No, but the movies, watching a movie is kind of like taking a vacation. And sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, "Man, I would really love to travel there. That would be really cool." Um, so at least I am. I don't know about you, but. This will give us the opportunity to kind of like power rank those places we would like to go. So, I'm down for that. So we're definitely uh, doing that's that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, it, in my mind, it it breaks uh, the matrix uh, because it's like, wait, have you seen those uh, those people who have found like the scenes that things were shot in, like at a movie? Um, yes. Like they take like a like a screenshot, uh, like a little five by seven, and they find the exact frame and they hold it up against it in real life. I just don't know like that. that yeah. There's dedication. an Instagram account that does that. My sister-in-law oh. sent that to me. It's very cool. And I don't know it's, how they've done this. It's like when I play legend of Zelda, they have this thing where they're like, here's where you need to go. And they show you the picture and there's this world and it's like a video game world. And I can't even find that. And there are people out there being like, boom, here's this frame from a movie that I found <laughs> exactly where it fits in the actual, I don't, I, I just don't understand. That's a skill yeah. I could never have. Yeah, I don't have that one either. Uh, I would like to meet the people who figure it out. I want to know their process. If we could have them on here just to chat about it, that'd be even fun. You know, like, wh- what do you do for a living that you get to just randomly travel to all these places? Are you an influencer or are you a yeah, trust fund I mean, baby? If you, yeah, you probably both. Those are usually hand in hand. I mean, you start out as one and then you become the other, usually. <laughs> <laughs> but you can make, I mean, there's there's money in the influencer game. We know that. It would be nice. Yeah. It would be nice. I mean, everybody hates influencers, but at a certain price, I, I would be down to be hated by everyone, you know? I mean, we have been trying to be sole influencers uh, for a year and a half now uh, as true. this podcast. And so if someone would just pay us. Let us please, influence you. And we then we would can love get to paid influence by other people. Yeah. You. I think the thing about the influencer thing, people people hate influencers, and for good reason. I mean, you see those people like the Instagram models, you know, like, and the Instagram boyfriends who come with that sometime, which is hilarious. Like the people taking the pictures, you see these people like out in the wild, and it's 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 tough to watch. But I think what people don't understand is that like being a YouTuber, which is another group of people that people hate, or like being a, <laughs> being a um, influencer is like, people think it's easy, like an easy way to make money. I think it's not. No. I don't, I don't think it's easy. I think, first of all, I think it's hard to get to that status. And I think it's really hard to like do all the crap you have to do to like keep your following and keep making money. 
Mm-hmm. Like think mm-hmm. about how staged those posts are, like how much work goes into each one of those. I, I mean, I don't know. I digress, but I, I don't think it's easy is what I'm trying to say. No chance. I mean, I struggle to make a, a, a 10 word social post every day, every day, Cameron. And these people make 30, sometimes 30 minute videos a day. I'm yeah. Like, what? Huh? Well, and if they're, if they're cross channels, man, they've got to do the Twitter. They got to do the fleets on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram stories, Facebook, Facebook stories, like the whole, it's a lot. It's a lot. So I'm saying, here's what I'm trying to say. You can hate them for being who they are because they mm-hmm. are the worst, but you cannot hate them because they have an easy job. Cause I think it is far from that. I think it is That's far right. from easy. Um, uh, so in their case, hate the player, but don't hate the game. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hate the player, not the game. Cause the player is the worst. Yes. Uh, <laughs> that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, what else are we going to do today? So we're going to we're going to get you caught up in what's popping. We get a couple of juicy stories here. We're going to we're going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong with the trailer. We're going to talk about this new Raya and the Last Dragon trailer. We're going to talk about Harry Potter a little bit. I mean, when was Harry the last Potter. time we talked about Harry Potter Harry on this Potter. show? Yes. Ever? Like as a news Have, story? Oh, there ever? was probably like some sort of Fantastic Beast story. Maybe. Does that even count? I don't know. But anyway, we're talking Harry Potter. Um, And then we are going to review this movie, which um, is being called by many a best picture contender for for the Oscars, One Night in Miami, um, which is actually the directorial debut of Regina King, who's a phenomenal actor. So it's very exciting. It's uh, we'll, we'll delve into it in much detail. I'm sure. Um, Here's a question for you, Kirk. Yes, this sir. is historical fiction. Mm-hmm. Is it even possible to spoil this movie? Are there even spoilers? Is there anything mm. in the movie you would consider a spoiler? No, yeah. not really. I mean, if you don't know that Malcolm X dies, that's on you. <laughs> you know, like that's not on us. If we're like, yeah. And at the end, Malcolm X died, which he doesn't. He doesn't die in the movie, but Correct. you know what I mean. Not, like that's the only me. thing I can think of, and that's just you know you've been failed by your history teacher or something. The internet, I don't know. You've been failed. Yeah, his or uh, or Sam Cooke's death as well. They were both murdered. Yes, they both in died in very ways. close close proximity to one another. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of thinking we can let it fly um, because I just don't see how the, you could get spoiled on this movie. Let's personally. do it. Let's I mean, spoil away. I mean, if anybody is upset with that, so be it. But well, let's just let's just go for it. Let's just live our truth here a little bit. Yeah, I like that. So we'll get into that. We got what's popping. We got a lot to get to. Um, we got and a lot to get to. It is three o'clock in the morning, so we gotta we gotta go. It we is go. not. Maybe if you live in. England. <laughs> it's I'm actually, actually broadcasting from England, Cameron. <laughs> from Ireland. You're trying to from... track down your family history. That's right, but I'm uh, speaking British f- to distract uh, the people around me. Yes. Smart. Smart move. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's uh, let's jump into what's popping. All right, Kirk. I hate to have to do this week after week, but here we are, (laughs) 
once again. And uh, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. We got more movie delays. We've got more movie delays, and one of them is a whopper and one that really is a, a tough pill to swallow. And that is No Time to Die, once again, delayed until October 8th of this year. Yes. There he is. You need to, like, we need to take that James Bond Funko Pop and perform some sort of ritual sacrifice to (laughs) get this movie moved up because this is getting outrageous. Uh, you know what I did the other night? I started to watch um, Road to Perdition. Um, I've never watched it before. I don't know why. I love gangster movies of all kinds. And Daniel Craig is the bad guy in that. So that's where I'm getting my Daniel Craig fix right now. Road to Perdition yeah. with Tom Hanks, directed by Sam Mendes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. This this is just terrible, this this news. Like, again, like... So so help me out. When was the original release date? Was the original release date like April of 2020? Yes. Or was it November? No, no. It was it was the first movie to drastically change their um their release date. You're right. You're right. So it must have been. So this it will have been like what a full 18 months from its original release by the time we maybe see this in October. Correct. Yeah, that's insane. That's like that's mind-boggling to think about. I really just wish we're kind of getting to the point now where there is more movie content. Like we're getting more via streaming, we're getting more via VOD thanks to like award season and stuff like that. But I'm just like, dude, let's just get these movies out. I'm tired. Like I'm at this point that movie could be the most amazing movie in the history of the world. And I've been thinking about it for so long that I just like, it's not going to live up to the hype that like, that's what I feel like. I mean, wonder woman is a fair unfair example because that movie just kind of under was underwhelming, mm-hmm. but it's just like, man waiting so long for these movies. It's like when they finally arrive, they have this giant wave of hype behind them. That's been building and building and building I just feel like there's no way it's going to live up to it. No chance. I would even be excited if they didn't tell us. Like, what if they just across the board said, we're not telling anyone when these movies are coming out. It's top secret. And then literally the day they come out, just be like, surprise, everybody. Here's the movie. And they they you know, they tell you to go stream it somewhere. They tell you to hit the movie theaters. I would be elated because guess what? No one's going anywhere. Right. So if you say, go to the movie theater tonight, You'll be able to because there's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> so I just don't it's give a good me a point that you're not going to live up to. Just just throw it at me. Surprise me. Yeah, I mean, being like, like it's coming October eighth. Who does that help? It's not <laughs> like anybody's like, oh, buddy, old pal, I'm gonna buy my tickets tonight. Like you can't even do that. So what is the point? Like just wait until like a month before and be like, all right, guys, things are looking great. We're gonna we're gonna pull the trigger. I mean, it's just sitting there waiting to go. So yep. it's like Morbius, okay? So Morbius is another one of these. Let me read the full list of things that have been delayed this week. Do it. So we already talked about No Time to Die. The King's Man, which is the third... It's the third movie in the Kingsman franchise, but it's a prequel. Um, that Disney pushed that one back to August 20th of this year. Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is um, Jason Reitman's crack at that franchise, which looks pretty interesting, has been pushed to November 11th. Armistice Day, and uh, Morbius has been pushed again. It had already been pushed, I think, like two weeks ago to October, 
And now it's been pushed again to January of next year, 2022. And Uncharted, starring Tom Holland, um, Sony's big video game movie, is pushed to February 11th of 2022. Yeah. So it's like those later dates that I'm like, that's arbitrary. That that means nothing to me. And, you know, as often as they've changed, like, what what's even the point? What's even the point of that? But some of these movies, too, I'm like, not expecting Morbius to be super great. Maybe that's maybe that's just me being cynical, but I'm just not. And I feel similarly with like the King's Man. I'm like, dude, just put it on VOD. Like, let's just put it on VOD. If it's great, fantastic. You gave us some entertainment. If it's not, boohoo. Like, it wasn't going to make a billion dollars in the box office anyway. So, no, it wasn't. It won't. It will not. It will not. Very few movies do. Like, I get why you protect Black Widow. I get, I get in a lot of ways why you protect James Bond. Like those franchises have a ton of equity built into them. People want to get with their friends and their family and go see the movie. But, mm-hmm. you know, Morbius, <laughs> it's just like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Morbius, so, Schmorbius, no one cares. Sorry, Jared. Lamo. Wow. Now you're we just should. being now you're just being hateful. <laughs> <laughs> we are get, wait I, we are getting a movie with Jared Leto this week, The Little Things with um, Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto that comes out on Friday. Speaking of movies, I don't expect to be very good. I've got a sneaking suspicion about that one. You don't think it's going to be good? I just don't trust it. I don't trust Is it. it? Is it because there's too much marketing saying there's too, too much great? marketing and all of the marketing says Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, Academy Award winner Rami Malik, Academy Award winner Jared Leto. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> but if your movie was actually good, you would just tell us what the movie's about in the trailer instead of telling us who's <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> They're just trying to, like, uh, Jedi mind trick us. This movie is great. You will love this movie. They are. They are trying to do that. And I will be darned. I'm not falling for that crap. So I don't trust it. Maybe it'll be good and I'll be totally wrong. But my instincts, I'm I'm sniffing out. This will not be great. This will not be a great one. We'll see. We'll see. You hate it so much that it could be a phenomenal piece of (laughs) cinematic history. And you'll be like, no, no, (laughs) no, I'm not like that. There've been plenty of movies that I expected to hate that I didn't hate. So, um, we should, we should have, that should be a schoolyard pick next week. Yep. Write it down. Where's the, I need a, (laughs) I got notes right here. What was it? Okay. Movies that you expected to hate that you didn't hate. Yes. Okay. Excuse my typing. Take your time. We don't want to lose this. No, this is good. This is creative fusion right here. Okay. All right. Whew. That was good. Good one, Kirk. Good good call out. You should get it. You get a gold star for that. Oh, thank you. Um, okay, next. Here's our big Harry Potter news. All you Wizarding World fans out there. Let's let's caveat this with the fact that Kirk and I are not at the same level of Wizarding World knowledge as some of you out there. Almost certainly. We're not like Kirk and I could talk for hours about Star Wars. Harry Potter, probably not as much. We've seen the movies. I've read some of the books. Have you read the books, Kirk? See, I have not. See, we're just not. We're not there. We're not there. So just be kind, okay? Anyway, HBO Max is revving up a Harry Potter series. 
We don't know what it's about. We don't know where it's set, but we know that it's in the early, early stages of production. What are your thoughts on this show? And what would you like to see them explore based on what you know? Oh, goodness. Um, I, for one, would love to see what in the world is going on with Harry's parents. Because yeah. at, at the be- and I'm sure there's lots of great details in the books. Um, I just have the attention span of a goldfish um, that I don't remember three seconds later. Uh, I start reading, and then I forget what I read. So that's that's my reading uh, comprehension for everyone. I think that seeing them in action, you, it, when you get to the top of the movies, uh, you're like, oh, they were the perfect parents, they were the perfect family, and they were ripped from him. And um, right, and then you get all the way to the end of the series, and it's like some weird stuff was going on actually. With yeah, like his James parents. Potter is like kind of a jerk. Yeah, he's like a bully, and Snape's like, you know, trying to to make right by Lily, and it's like, wait, what? So, I think there's lots of good drama right there. Uh, it's a, it's a, they're very they're actually very complex characters that I would love to see explore. That that would be my hope for a prequel, and at the end of that series, obviously, we lead up to the final episode is going to be Harry getting uh, attacked by Ray Fiennes, uh, Voldemort. Oh, like his his birth. And Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That could be cool. That could be cool. We we just kind of back into it. That's where my head was at too. Just like I would love a series with Snape as the protagonist, like a young Snape, and mm-hmm. it's all like through his point of view. That would be cool. We got some good comments on social. Um, people were talking a little bit about Voldemort's upbringing. Tom Riddle. That would be cool. Um, that was Melissa who said that. That was a good. That was a good comment. Yeah, And then we got some other comments that were like down the Harry Potter rabbit hole where I'm like, I know nothing about that, but I bet it's awesome. And I can't wait for your dreams to be realized. <laughs> you know, I have been in the position where as a super fan of something, something has gotten adapted into the show, like, like uh, the Mandalorian. And I know that feeling of giddiness. I do not get that for the Harry Potter, but I am so happy for everyone who does. I'm sure they're just ecstatic especially because and i don't know where like what do you what do you call harry potter fans leave a name potheads (laughs) that should be their name if it's not that should be their name but uh i think you nailed it they've been calling themselves (laughs) potheads for over a decade now (laughs) yeah that would be that's a good one if they're not that's a missed opportunity and they should be ashamed of themselves (laughs) but i don't know where they stand on the fantastic beast series but it is underwhelming, and I think that that is being generous because the first movie is just okay, and it's like the like the world building movie, yeah. And the second movie is just not good at all. And yeah. now, and now you're replacing Johnny Depp with uh, Mads Mikkelsen. It's like this is not a, this is not off to a good start. We should just. We should just forget it. <laughs> Let's just forget about it. Let's just act like it didn't happen. Maybe we run it back in like 10 years or something, you know? Yeah, just like, you know, how the entire 2010s and were, you know, just reboot everything. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, just reboot it. There's, it's never too early. They're like talking about rebooting Pirates of the Caribbean. They're like, you don't have to wait for the dust to settle. You can just be like, ah, that sucked. Let's go. <laughs> Let's try again. <laughs> I mean, look at what Marvel did with um, after the Amazing Spider Man series. Like they yeah. gave, like Sony gave Andrew Garfield 
two movies and then the deal went down with Disney and it was like, boom, we have a new Spider-Man. Like nothing even happened. So my heart still hurts, but yes, they did. They just, they certainly did. Yeah. They're going to make it right. Kirk. They're going to do right by us. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, okay. Next Godzilla versus Kong. This movie, it was moved up actually. They moved it up, which is like the first time that's happened since ever in the history of this pandemic. And it's one of the it's one of the Warner movies that is going to release on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously. And actually, so here's something hilarious. I just read this right before we came on. So they moved it up to March 26th. And they're like, this is going to be one of the first big movies to like go to theaters and on HBO max at the same time. Then they moved it back five days from that day, <laughs> five days. They were like, it's, it's going to come out March 26th. And now it comes out March 31st. I was like, that is a bad sign. <laughs> Does that not throw up huge red flags? Like, what do you need the five days for? I have to know. Oh, it's like, did, did was there like an intern that messed up the weeks? Like, what, what's seriously, the I'm seriously like, I, uh, here, let me get my calendar out. What day of the week is that? March 26th was, was a Friday. March 31st is a Wednesday. <laughs> that is a weird date to release a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's giving me like cats vibes. You know, whenever cats went to theaters and they were like, all right, it's this version's good enough to go to theaters, but when we're done with like the full version, we're going to send that to you guys. And then you can yeah, just like... like Swap Two weeks out. later, we're going to redistribute spend thousands <laughs> and thousands of dollars. This is like when you're in college and you're like, oh, crap, that's due tomorrow. And you're like, okay, 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 okay. Um, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You email your professor. Oh, my gosh. P- uh, professor so-and-so. I am so sorry. I My mom got in a car accident this weekend, and it was terrible. She's fine, thank God, but we're still at the hospital. I left my computer at home. I couldn't do it. Give me, like, let's call it three more days to knock this out. Like, that's what this is. That is what this is. I am am concerned at the level of (laughs) lies you told to get through I mean, (laughs) let's be honest, Kirk. I am a prolific liar. (laughs) <laughs> I I try to do it as seldom as, as possible, but I have always been very good at lying. And you know, when desperate times are called for, I I will do it. I will do it. Okay, it's oh I'm goodness. not proud of it. I never did say my mom was in a car crash. I would not do that. Okay, good. That's good. But your dad was a whole nother story. <laughs> One time, I said there was a there was a tornado in because there was a tornado warning in my county and I had to get to class and I didn't want to go to class. And I sent my professor an email and was like, there's a tornado warning and it's getting wild and I don't want to, <laughs> I'm not going to risk it. I was like, I'll do the homework online. And he was like, okay, that's fine. It was total life. So one um, more digression, man, how easy would it be? Like, Oh man, I'm so sorry, professor. My, uh, my wifi is down, uh, in, in 2020. <laughs> I, I can't come. Um, right. You let, could. Me know. let me know. Let me know what could. I can do. Thanks. Bye. Be like, hey, the whole neighborhood's out. It's it's the Hunger Games out here. Like yes. people are turning on each other. It's like that episode of Twilight Zone, um, monsters on Mulberry Street or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Maple Street, Maple Street. Uh, there are monsters on Maple Street. Yeah, where like weird things start happening and the people start mm-hmm. killing each other. Yeah, yeah, that would work. I think that would work. People would believe that. 
if all the internet in my neighborhood went out, it would be chaos. I can guarantee it. Oh yeah. I'm just, I need a panic room. Jody Foster. <laughs> Dude, yes. I think we've talked about panic rooms on this podcast. I'm a huge fan of the concept. I would love to have one. Same. Lead enforced walls, endless snacks, non-perishables, Spe- obviously. Speaking of Jared Leto, he's in that stinking movie with, with Jody Foster and yep. Forrest Whitaker. Yep. Man, we are, we are way off the track now. Where were we? Godzilla versus uh, Kong. Godzilla versus Kong. Okay, we're back. We're back. Whew. That was tough. All right. Rapid trailer reaction. We got this on Sunday. Today is Tuesday, date of recording. What's your reaction to this trailer, Kirk? I need to know all of it. Mm, I, you know what we should have done? We should have recorded ourselves watching the trailer because you would have just gotten two and a half minutes of me laughing, laughing at the whole thing. Oh, <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, I don't know what it is, man. Godzilla just. It, it, uh, <laughs> I'm speechless. Godzilla is just like this dumb thing. Like, I know that some people have like a connection to it. Like, a, uh-huh. like oh, man, I saw Godzilla uh, when I was a child. My, my father took me. And I really connected with it because, uh, you know, we are such small beings. Like, no, it's it's terrible. It's a terrible concept. That you know, it should be indestructible. But they always find one little weak spot that changes between every single movie. So now you got King Kong fighting Godzilla. I just I just can't get down with that. I can't get down with that. So you so let let me, let's back up. Yeah. You do not like monster movies is what you're saying. Like big giant no. kaiju level monsters, you're not for it. They just I have no interest. I have no interest in them. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think I think I would under, I understand that personally. Like that concept, specifically Godzilla and kind of King Kong is just very outdated, I would say in general. It just doesn't work the same way as before because there are logistical issues with it. Like if there was a Godzilla level being or even a King Kong, you know, of this scale, Mm -hmm. it would cause much more havoc than they show in these movies. Like there, like there would, I mean, the thing can like stop out skyscrapers and stuff like that. So it's just hard to reconcile that with like the modern age of movies where like even things that are way out there have to be have to be logical enough to where you can go okay yeah i'm tracking (laughs) you know what i mean like that's that's just where we are in terms of our entertainment like it has to be it can be crazy but it's got to make sense and i think it's very hard to make monster movies make sense these days all that being said i I really liked the Gareth Edwards Godzilla, the first one that they made recently because it it felt like they waited long enough to show the monster in the movie. They did a good job of like just showing his tail, just showing his feet. Like they built out a decent storyline. Like I thought it was really well done. And I I liked Kong Kong Skull Island. I thought that was a decent movie. I thought the CGI of the monkey was like mind-blowingly good i was like holy cow this is the best cgi i've ever seen in my life and i thought the story was decent i mean as as decent as it can be for what it is um now i know like godzilla king of monsters was terrible and this trailer does not look great i will agree with you on (laughs) that 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but what I don't agree with, like, I, I can see why you would be anti-monster movies, but I, like, I can still... I can still get hyped for a monster movie if it's done correctly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. I, and I would say that I'm not anti-King Kong. I will say that. Okay, you're anti-Godzilla. Um, okay, that's fair. I'm Anti-Godzilla. You know, Peter Jackson's uh, 2005 King Kong with uh, Naomi Watts and I think Adrian Brody. Jack Black. Jack Black. I mean, say what you want. That was some cutting-edge CGI. I believe you could watch that movie today and still see some pretty fantastic shots of Kong. Um, it was a well-structured story. You saw that Kong was just this, he was wronged. He was just living his own life, and people came in and just destroyed his land and just wanted to collect him, right? Godzilla's yeah. just straight up evil and impossible to destroy. Like, King Kong has a heart. <laughs> so that's where I'm coming from. Well, like, in that Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie... <laughs> Godzilla 2000. No, before Godzilla 2000. There was Godzilla... Oh. And then there was Godzilla oh, 2000. That's right. That's right. In that one, um, which I watched countless times as a child, uh, the <laughs> the thing with Godzilla was that all of her unborn children, all of her unborn children were underneath the city. And that's why she was raging. So once they figured that out, it was like, no problem. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, uh, they're like, oh, we get it. We got it. Okay. This is why you're, you're mad. You're just a mom. Sure. You know, yeah. Um. Here's a question. Have you, have you seen Kong Skull Island? I have. Okay. Yes. Is the King... I don't remember the Peter Jackson one very well. I saw it probably like in 2005 when it came out. Is the Kong in Skull Island like way bigger than the Kong in that Peter Jackson movie? Because um, the Kong in Skull Island is huge. Like he is eye level with helicopters punching them out of the sky like they're nothing. He's like as big as an island basically. So I would say I would say he's he's probably smaller. He's still big. At one point they strap Kong up in a big movie theater and he's the entire height he's like on a stage and he's like chained up um arms and feet spread across and he like all the way to the top of the proscenium stage which I would guess maybe is like 80 feet in that in that theater. But you're right. I think Kong's I think Skull Island Kong's is probably Skull, I think he's feet. like he's like yeah, he's like at least 300 feet tall. He's he's, he's uh, six hundred and thirty feet tall, the height of the Gateway Arch, I believe, is, is what the accurate. <laughs> Which is probably they probably scaled him up because they knew they were building to this Godzilla movie, and Godzilla is like ginormous. Back to the trailer, I think the trailer, like, <laughs> I think they make these trailers somewhat bad sometimes because they're appealing to a very like very specific type of consumer, like the Michael Bay type of consumer, which is fine. Everybody has their own thing. If, if movies to you are just like big flashes, loud noises, shooting guns and things like that, like all power to you, that's fine. But that's yeah. what I think they make these kind of movie trailers for is like that group of people. And so I'm like, it's hard to gauge how good the movie actually is. But my biggest problem with this trailer is that I feel like I know what exactly what's going to happen in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so it's going to start off as Godzilla. Like, here's my theory. And if you're like one of these people who doesn't want spoilers, like you want to avoid it, just skip ahead like three minutes and we'll probably be done talking about this. But I think it's going to be Godzilla comes back to wherever, San Francisco, wherever he feels like wrecking stuff. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, they call up like Samuel L. Jackson and whoever is like, what's 
or whoever's still alive from Kong Skull Island. I don't know. Maybe like whoever. I don't even know who's who's out there. <laughs> Michael Fassbender, somebody, or Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston was in that movie. Um, and they're like, let's get Kong to fight Godzilla, right? And so they start duking it out. Well, then there's like some nerd scientist guy who's like, I created something to fight Godzilla. It's going to be Mecha Godzilla. And he's going to come in and try to kill the other Godzilla. And then Kong and Godzilla are going to have to team up to fight Mechagodzilla. Because you can't have one of them win. You know what I mean? Like, that's what's going to happen. There, there, are like some, there are some hints at Mechagodzilla being a thing. And there's a snot-nosed nerd scientist guy with, like, a loading screen behind him. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is for sure what's going down. <laughs> like, that, the, like, can't fool me on this. I know exactly what's happening. I just want them to bring Jack Black into the mix and be like, I was frozen in time because he's like in like the, the 1940s King Kong. Yes. And since this is present day, I wanted to be like, I was frozen in a block of ice just and like I am back. Into the Kongverse, you know, just yes. like open all the multiverse up because they had John C. Riley in Kong Skull Island as like the crazy guy who was like stuck on that island following the Vietnam War or whatever. Yep. Um, he'd be great to have back, you know, those two together would be just a, you know, a laser show of hilarious antics. Um, yes. Yeah. Here's the heights. I just, I just looked up the heights. Uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong, 25 feet, not 80. Okay. <laughs> just a bit off, and but in the ballpark, you know, you were, in, you yeah, were sub 100. <laughs> and, uh, Kong Skull Island, 104 feet was oh, its scale. BS. It's BS. That thing was, I mean, just huge. They they come over the they cut. They're like playing the like classic Vietnam War movie music. They've got all these choppers, and he is eye level batting these things out of the sky like it's nothing. There is no way. There is no way. Hundred and four yeah. feet. That's a joke. <laughs> that is a joke. And and like Godzilla, he that means he's got to be a similar height. He's like. These skyscrapers are like up to his heel. I mean, they're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's, he's huge. Thank you. I just don't, I don't get it. Anyway. Oh, it's in meters. How dare these oh. people? <laughs> How dare we as Americans have a different system of measure? That's just dumb. That's just dumb. God. Oh, I, I can't. Let's just I convert. Can't. Let's just convert everything. Meters. All that stuff makes way more sense. Feet I and think- yards. is just so arbitrary. Yes, I think Godzilla's height in Godzilla King of the Monsters is 355 feet, a full, a full 250 feet higher than, than your boy King Kong in yeah, his best form. that seems like you would not fight somebody who was 250% larger than you. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I've, I, something there is, is messed up. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, that's enough of Kong. So you're sa- Kong versus Godzilla. You're saying it's uh, going to be a stinker. I'm saying I don't know. Probably will be a stinker, but I'll, I am I'm I'm okay with it. I know exactly what's going to happen in the movie. So if they just execute it well, great. But yeah, that's that's Kong versus Godzilla. Okay, moving on. Another trailer we got today was Raya and the Last Dragon, which feels like the forgotten Disney movie because. They have not marketed this thing at all, which is so contrary to how they usually do this. 
they've moved its dates, they've shuffled the cast, they've shuffled the producers, like, it's been crazy. That movie's coming out on March 5th, it's coming out on, it's coming to theaters and, just for you, Kirk, Disney Plus Premier Access for the low, low price of $29.99 on the same day, March 5th. Well... Jokes on them. I'm going to go to $5 Movie Tuesdays at uh, yeah, my local movie theater. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to justify that cost. I'd have to invite, I'd have to like have a super spreader event to, to <laughs> be able to offset the cost with like a $6 buy in. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Let's, uh, let's all get together and spread, spread the virus around and watch Raya and the Last Dragon. Be good stuff. Um, anyway, we got a full length trailer. The the trailers we were getting before this were like really hard to figure out what's going on, but I want to get your reaction to this trailer and kind of what you're thinking now that we are a, a bit over a month away from this movie. Yes, um, I would say I'm just as confused as when this movie, you know, gave us its introduction. Um, I, I have a bitter taste in my mouth because, ladies and gentlemen, I. My name is Kirk Doolin, and I am a Degrassi fan. Yes. And there is a character on the the next gen, uh, the next class, Degrassi. Her name is Manny. The actress is Cassie Steele. She was supposed to be Raya, and they they booted her at the 11th hour. They did. And so that was a red flag to me because uh, Manny is life. And this this trailer... It also gives away everything, much like um, Godzilla vs. Kong, whatever that movie's actually titled. And they they show you everything that's going on. They've got kind of like a reverse Brave thing going on. So like in Brave, you know, Merida's mother turns into a bear. Spoiler alert. Um, in this one, there's a dr- the dragon turns into a person to be like a, a human guidance counselor to Raya. I don't know. Yes, the um, dragon has the ability to turn into a human. Yeah, and she turns into like an old woman. Like she doesn't turn into like Yeah, her hair is like purple and blue or I don't know, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you can turn into a human, you should just be like in in perfect physical form. She she just like turns into an old lady and it's like, well, that doesn't help Raya and her quest. (laughs) What? Well, she says she's a bad dragon, so maybe she's bad at all things that dragons can do. I don't know. I think if I had the choice between you know, if I didn't have any family ties or anything like that and I had the choice between being a dragon who could speak and do all kinds of dragon things and being human, I would probably choose being a dragon, to be honest. Yeah, you could fly anywhere you want. Go. No one would mess with you. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Light things on fire. I mean... That's... This movie's just weird, Cam. I, I don't know how to put it. It's just weird. So it what is, do you think about this? It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, I think it's it's hard to get a grasp on what's going on here. I think... It's it's hard like you know basically what the plot will be. It feels very much like many Disney movies we've seen. There is some sort of adventurer and some sort of like weird offbeat character, and they have to set, like settle their differences and accomplish a goal. You know, like that's pretty much the formula. Um, but it is hard to know like what exactly is going to go down, what they're trying to get at in this movie, and. I don't know. It like so here's what I'll say. I think the artwork looks great. I think like they, it looks like there's tons of different colors, tons of different textures. Like they're not just staying in one place that looks one way. Like there's a lot going on, which is cool. Um it looks 
pretty action-packed. Like, it looks like there's a lot of fighting and stuff like that, which is pretty cool because I think Raya's like a, a warrior. So that could be a cool different vibe for Disney Animation Studios. Um, but yeah, beyond that, I don't think that there's like a ton to get super excited for, but I'm just hoping that... Yeah, I mean, they haven't really put out a stinker in a while. Disney Animation Studios, they've done a really good job. Uh, ever since they sort of shuffled chairs over there, ever since like Frozen and Tangled, you know, like those, that's when they really sort of turned the ship around. So I'm betting it will be good, but based on the trailer, it's hard to know if it will be or not. Yep, I bet this is their clunker. They, I don't want them to have okay. a clunker. I always hope the best. I bet this is their clunker. And I bet that it is better than Godzilla vs. Kong, but not by much. <laughs> How do you even compare those two? I mean, they both have dragon lizards in them, so it, precisely. <laughs> I, I'm I'm anti dragon. I'm I'm claiming my stance right now. Yeah, you are like you are harshly anti reptile, Kirk, and that <laughs> is a little disturbing. I didn't know that about you, but you know, here we are, and this is where we've come to. But you're anti Godzilla. You're anti this dragon, this furry dragon thing from Ryan the Last Dragon. I mean, where does it end, Kirk? You know, yeah. if Killer Croc gets cast in a movie, which I think, it, oh, he hasn't been, but you're probably going to be anti that. Um, so, at least, at least I know where you stand now. I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know who I am. I know who I am. <laughs> You're showing your true colors now. Okay, <laughs> next up, just one last one, one last little news story that came out today. Um, they're making a Borderlands movie for you gamers out there. They're making another video game movie based on Borderlands. This is a game that I've played. It's a it's a great game series. It's a really good um, like first person shooter that you can play like cooperatively, like like couch co op. So it's it's fun for that. But um, kind of a convoluted plot. It's like basically uh, like a space heist, I guess, kind of like. These people, there's a vault that's been locked for like 200 years or something like that. And these people are trying to go get it because they're supposed to be like tons of riches. So there's this group of four people who like try to go unlock it and shenanigans ensue, whatever. Well, the casting news is what's really caught my eye. So a while back, um, it was announced that Kate Blanchett had been cast at, as Lilith. And Kirk is anti Kate Blanchett. I don't get that, man. You are. <laughs> whatever you're entitled to your own opinion, but whatevs. So I was like, Oh, that's an interesting, I'm just a hater. that's an interesting choice. You know, Kate Blanchett in a video game movie. She'll, she'll honestly take any role. She's been in good movies, crappy movies. She's just like, whatevs. Everybody like needs, cage. She just says yes. Yeah. Everybody needs a paycheck. Right. And she just is like, I'm an actor. I'm just going to act. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, today they announced that another member of this group before is Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has been cast. <laughs> So out of this group of four like main characters, the only ones we know are Kate Blanchett and Kevin Hart, and I am so perplexed by this casting. <laughs> I'm just like, what are we doing? What is happening? Okay, I'll tell you. I am also a hater on <laughs> this. This is the hate episode <laughs> with featuring Kirk's all of his hate. Uh, I was uh, I always don't like video game movies because they never work out. They're almost they always bad. I mean, there's like like no. I can't even think of one good video game movie. 
But when you described that game, like, honestly, the name of the game sounds kind of dumb. I'll say that Borderlands, like it's too vague. But when you you were describing it, I was like, that sounds pretty cool. Like, tell me more. Like, uh, I'm in. I'm in on this on this plot for the first time in all in all the video game movies, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a decent plot. I mean, I think it's it's great for a video game. But the thing that's the thing that people don't understand is like. <laughs> And maybe it's just like they're just trying to make money. They're not really trying to make a franchise. But the plots in video games don't have to be movie plots. Like they just have to literally get you from one objective to the next. And so there's lots of things that you can do in a video game that just do not withstand. Like they just do not hold up whenever you put them in a movie. I just don't know when people are going to realize that. I guess when people stop buying tickets to see these movies. Um this project is just just odd. So there's that casting. There's the fact that Eli Roth is directing this. Are you familiar with Eli Roth? He's a, I am. he's a horror director, like a pretty like well known one. I am just like, what is happening? What is happening? And Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett is must see. I don't care. I don't care how you feel about either of those, but both of them on screen together is like I'm for sure showing up for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Kevin Hart. Uh, the the combination of, of everything here is just, <laughs> it's very odd. Again, I'm speechless, you know, so let's, let's pull up, let's pull up Eli Roth. Um, also Kevin classic Peter. PR line, classic PR line by the borderlands people put out there. This is Kevin Hart as you've never seen him before. I'm like, I don't even know what that means, but sure. Interesting. Um, Eli Roth, Cabin Fever, which will haunt your dreams forever if you ever watch that True. movie. Um, True. It has, you know, Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World and a light that you never thought you could see and just <laughs> horrible. Hostile, Hostile 2, uh, oh, Green Inferno, Knock Knock, House with the Clock in Its Walls. Well, that's very different, but it's <laughs> Chainsaw. Back to Jack Black. You know, and then you oh, have. Oh, Kate Blanchett yeah. was in that. She was in House with the Clock in Its Walls. Oh, there you go. There's, There's the, the connection. connection. There's always. He a... liked her. There's always a link. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be bonkers uh, to see them together acting on screen. That that matchup, I, I'm I'm very intrigued. I will see this movie, even if it has a terrible trailer. I, I got to see this. It will probably be bad because all video game <laughs> movies are bad. Maybe Tom Holland is the the you know messiah of video game movies. Maybe he will be the one to change everything. He will be the one to save video game movies with his uncharted film that keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So yes, maybe, maybe Kirk. He's the um, one. They're also making a tomb Raider, tomb Raider two with Alicia, um, Vikander, which like, okay. Yeah. Like, sure. <laughs> go, go ahead. Can they, can they open up the tomb Raider multiverse and bring Angelina Jolie back yes. and they can fight together? Let's do into the, into the tomb Raider verse. <laughs> <laughs> that's what every franchise should do is they're like all right let's just take all the reboots take all the best things people liked out of them open up some sort of wormhole and let's make this happen yes all right shifting gears and drastically i don't even know like we need a palate cleanser we need something to happen to get us from kate blanchett eli roth and kevin hart into oscar Potential Oscar nominee one night in Miami. I don't know what that is, but we need it. Um, um, we need like one do? of those vocal exercises. You know? 
I have all these Funko Pops, but I don't know how to make them work. Well, you've quite an assortment. What? You've quite an assortment there. I mean, you've got... Oh, oh yes, I have a whole basket. I can hear their heads rattling around in there. (laughs) I don't have shelves yet. So they live in the sad. That's sad. Um, well, that worked, Kirk. That was our palate cleanser. You did it. Congratulations. <laughs> um, okay. We are reviewing, as I said, One Night in Miami. This, mu- this movie is on Prime Video, so you can watch it at home for free, assuming you have an Amazon Prime membership. If you don't have a Prime membership, you got to do it. It's free shipping, two days. You get all kinds of stuff. Um, and Jeff Bezos already knows everything about you. So like, don't be, right. don't be worried about, you know, privacy or anything like he's, he knows it. It's already done. It doesn't even matter. Um, so prime video, you can watch it there. And Kirk is going to synopse this lovely film for us. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Fire away. <clears throat> On the same night of Cassius Clay's famous boxing match win against Sonny Liston, he shares his victory with his closest colleagues and friends Not in a big party, not in a big shindig, but in a hotel room, rather a motel room, with Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. They discuss life, civil rights, and more, now streaming on Amazon Prime. There it is. There it is. Well done. Well done, Kirk. Um, Yeah, good, good synopsis. I think worth noting, this movie is historical fiction in the sense that it is inspired by true events, but they basically the whole thing is imagining what a conversation between these four people would be like, knowing that they were connected and were all together at one point. So it's like just kind of imagining what that is. And it is based on a play, a stage play by Kent Powers, who, uh, who adapted the play to film as well. So he's the screen, he's the screenwriter. So um, just, Good context to have going into it, I think. Yes. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. Well, let's um, let's jump into our superlatives. Let's go with the Oscar goes to Kirk. Who are you giving your Oscar to? There were. This was a tough choice. Very tough choice. This was very hard <laughs> because when you when you first turn this movie on, you're like, oh, that's the obvious choice. X yes. Y X Y Z. L and L P. There's four. I couldn't think of a fourth letter. God. <laughs> <laughs> This was very hard for me, but as I as I dissected the movie, as I watched it all the way through, I have to go with Aldous Hodge, who plays Jim Brown. Great choice. Yes. So Jim Brown, ladies and gentlemen, was a famous NFL player. Cameron, do you, oh, he was an American fullback is what the internet yeah, tells me. Yeah, one of me. the greatest running backs of all time. He uh, For the Cleveland Browns. Yes. And he, he was... He could have broken one billion more records. Um, he may he may even hold some records today. I'm not quite sure. Or I know his going... I know his rushing record, the one they talk about in the movie, the like 1,863 yards in a season is long gone. Uh, it's been okay. like there are people who have surpassed 2,000 yards in a season multiple times, so that's done. But um, I gotcha. I'm sure there's some record out there. He's, he's but still at got that time. <laughs> Right. So he was a he was a trailblazer. He was he was a, a true celebrity uh, during during that time frame. And he had a lot of um, I wouldn't say political power, but he used his celebrity to to uh, to really 
influence people um not in the in a way that influenced people like some of our other characters in the movie like malcolm x uh even like sam cook and 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 his accomplishments um or even muhammad ali's but what what jim brown does what aldous hodge does in this movie is he is calm cool and collected um there are so many things that the other characters are discussing in the room between all of the hate that is going on during this time period um akin to things that we're still seeing today in 2021 but but he is just he's listening um he's listening and he's processing it there's so many people that that want to just scream out their hatred and who's to say that they're wrong but something about this calm cool and collected Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown was so captivating that you couldn't turn away. Um, there are there are several moments where he he's like he's like the big brother of of this group. He's clearly the tallest of them, um, and uh, possibly quite honestly the strongest of all four of the actors as well in the room. And he's really just kind of directing them, guiding them, kind of mentoring them, and. I'm not quite sure if he was the oldest one in the, in the room too, as far as historically, there's a good chance that he was, but, but this, this character, this representation, this characterization of Jim Brown really caught my eye and is very different from the other performances that I had to give the Oscar to Mr. Aldous Hodge. Yeah. I think it's a great choice. Um, these four, gentlemen who act in this movie all do a stellar job. I think that's worth noting. Like there will be there. will I mean, unless Kirk and I choose opposite pairs, there will be some people who are like left out. Uh, but it is worth noting that there are some, some really good acting performances. So that was, that's a great one to call out all this Hodge, man. He's, he's going to be great. I mean, he already is. He, he's just like now starting to get big roles and I just can't wait to see what more we get from him. Cause he can bring it, and uh, his performance in this movie was stellar. For my Oscar, I went with um, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays Sam Cooke. Man, what can this guy not do? His yeah. voice, he has just, he has one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my life. The dude is incredible. Um, got to see him live uh, in concert before, and just, he has one of those soulful um, jazzy voices that just is rare to come by these days. And one that is just totally unique, um, which makes it hard for him to make like pop music and stuff like that, which is a bummer. But his, his, when he sings jazz standards and stuff like that, Holy cow. And even his original jazz music, just incredible. Um, and as an actor, you know, for somebody who had very little acting experience going into Hamilton, then doing Broadway winning awards then jumping over into cinema and just continuing to elevate his game, it's really remarkable. Um, he's gotten a crack at a couple of big movies, but you know, shout out to Regina um, King for giving him a chance in this movie. I think he totally lived up to it. He totally showed that he is capable of acting at the highest of high levels among other actors who are doing a great job. His character is... Um, sort of uh, positioned opposite of, of Malcolm X in this movie. And so they find themselves in this position where they're butting heads trying to, you know, each state their case and talk about their experiences and things like that. And he does a great job being a counterbalance to um, Ben Kingsley Adir, who is uh, playing Malcolm X. And they just have great banter 
really good job of identifying each other's tone and, and doing what all great actors have to do, which is taking what the other person gives you and making something out of it. I think the other thing of note about this movie is there's very little um, uh, activity in this movie outside of mm-hmm. dialogue. Everything, all of it is driven by the dialogue. So it is tough to do as an actor, I'm sure, and to make sure that the energy is just right at each moment throughout the film. And that's something I thought Leslie Odom Jr. did a great job of. Um, also, like I, you could hear that he tried to sound like Sam Cooke whenever he's saying a little bit. You could hear that he... I mean, he committed to this role, and, and he did a fantastic job. So it's Leslie Odom Jr. for me as my Oscar. All Excellent. Right, let's move on to Scene Stealer. Who you got, Kirk? Scene Stealer, Mr. Leslie Odom Jr., nice. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, everything you said. Um, specifically with his vocals, you know, our the world's first introduction, one of the grandest introductions of all time was his role in Hamilton as Aaron Burr. Um it's funny because when you listen to that soundtrack and then you listen to him in the live recording from the film Hamilton, he sounds very different. He his does. character is more developed. There's a snarl uh, to it to his face and to this the level uh, uh, of his of his vocal projection because he's fully characterized what kind of attitude Burr would be as, a, after the recording. Um, he's done this as well. When you see him as Sam Cooke in this film, he is Sam Cooke. Um, he is such a good vocalist and and he has spent so much time with his characterization that that snarl that you see in Hamilton completely gone. Uh, I'm a big Sam Cooke fan. So it was hard for me not to pick Leslie Odom as the, as the best Oscar in this one. Uh, probably um, I've always known uh, of the, of his, you know, the big song change going to come. Um, the, when I was, I, I started my professional career working at the gateway arch and there was this grumpy old man uh, who's now passed away, rest in peace. But he loved the the Motown era, and uh, he would play Sam Cooke every morning as we were opening up the shop. Every morning, every morning, and I, I grew to love it. Um, you know, uh, the Chain Gang, and, and when that scene happens, you know, he goes into a crowd and he he loses his band essentially, and the power goes out right uh, for for the sound system, and they they sing the uh, the Chain Gang. And he gets the whole audience going in it. Like my mind was just blown, blown. I was just so baffled by how well he was able to mimic Sam Cooke's voice that there were some characterizations in there that are just spot on in the color of his voice. And no one could do that except for Leslie Odom Jr. I'm convinced. I'm convinced. So hopefully we get a full blown biopic of Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. That would blow my mind because there was a lot of stuff there. Um, I love how you mentioned that, uh, you know, he's he's playing opposite to Malcolm. So Malcolm X, of course, is someone who is basically this missionary. He doesn't have a lot of money. He's just he's he's there on on the Muslim purpose and uh, campaign and um, uh, whatever you may religious walk and Leslie Odom Jr. While he's there to support the black community, he's also one of the wealthiest men in America at that time. He owned his own record label and he was being able, he had the power to inject, uh, what he wanted, whatever social commentary he wanted into his songs. But Malcolm X said he wasn't doing enough. And that friction that you were talking about was huge. It was so huge. So 
I hope those conversations were happening in that hotel room that night. Like that's so, so creative to think that this writer was, was, was throwing this at them um, because everything has been dissected to, to basically say that much ever since. So you would, you would imagine that there had to be some sort of exchange. There are niceties as we see in the film, but it'd be really cool to be a fly on the real wall of that room uh, and time travel and see what was going on in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, so for my scene stealer, I I'll jump into it because I did the we did the opposite of each other. So I uh, I chose Aldous Hodge as my scene stealer. So I was waiting to like jump in with that because it's it's funny that we flip flopped there, but we both kind of gravitated to the same two performances. I think um, you know you said a lot of great things about Aldous Hodge. I think it, you know in summary, and I think you said this as well, but just the fact that you have all these powerful personalities and people who really were powerful personalities in their real life, Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, um, Sam Cooke, you know, strong personalities. And then you got Jim Brown, who's reserved, picking his moments. I think as an actor and as an actor of Aldous Hodge's capabilities, you probably want to, you know, he doesn't have as much spoken dialogue as everybody else. So he probably wants to shine in those moments. So I just like, it, what stuck out to me was how committed he was to the role and he didn't overact at all. It was very understated. It was, it was perfect, honestly. And, and it made it so, um, you know, like you said, when he spoke, it really came across well. And I think he understood that that was necessary based on the demands of the script, that his character plays a vital role in tying this group together. Like you said, being the big brother. And so it wouldn't be effective if he, went for glory. He had to be true to the character in the way that it was written. And so that, that commitment to that is what stole it for me. Um, he's not what I would call a scene stealer in a traditional sense. There are plenty of high energy performances in this movie. Um, you know, especially Eli Gorey who plays, you know, Muhammad Ali, obviously a very like bombastic kind of guy, you know, the champ, the greatest. Um, and then Malcolm X who, you know, was a professional orator. I mean, that's what he did for a living. Like he spoke to big groups of people and got them excited. So it is, uh, it's interesting that, you know, this is the performance that sticks out, but it's because of the contrast to the others and all this Hodges commitment to that role that, that it does. So, um, great job by all four gentlemen who star in this movie. They, they did a fantastic job and shout out to Regina King for great job directing them through these performances. I mean, She's a phenomenal actor in her own right, so she knows what she's doing there. Um, but let's jump into some analysis on this movie, and let's start with Showstopper and what what part of this movie, what specific aspect it was that really um, stuck out to you or took your breath away, Kirk? Easy. It goes back to Sam Cooke singing because they they didn't overdo it. They could have easily just turned this thing into a musical where Sam Cooke sang in every scene, and they didn't. They they pulled their punches. They landed them when they needed to, when it was relevant. And again, th- I think they they spent a lot of time making sure that, that character was right. I think Leslie Odom Jr. made sure of that. But I think more importantly, uh, the the production crew did to to frame him as close to possible as, as him because. I don't, you know, in in the fame in the famous, uh, it's it's uh, again we talked about we're spoiling this. It's history. Um, there, there's a famous scene. Uh, they did this in Will Smith's Ali back in 2001, whenever it came out, 
when Cassius Clay wins that boxing match. He shouts out to Sam Cooke and he calls him over to him as the press is surrounding him. I think he says, who's more prettier than us and who's beautiful? And they're, 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 they're you know, hyping each other up. Um, so the fact that, that that character had to be so right in all aspects and what's more powerful than uh, of social change than what we what we can use in film and music and culture. Uh, we shape our culture by kind of marking it with with the artists uh, of the time. And so using Sam Cooke's music and his songs in in the various ways that they did, um, that was the showstopper for me. And most uh, most clearly, there were two moments of that. Uh, definitely when when he sings uh, Chain Gang, when he makes the whole crowd be his backup and his instrumental for him because he has no band, he has no sound system. And then when he goes on uh, Johnny Carson and he sings A Change's Gonna Come, that that's just oh, so good, those moments. Yeah, it, it's really good. And, and like going back to our acting stuff, like Leslie Odom was the guy to do this. He, he was yep. the perfect guy to do this. And there was a really good piece that came out um, today or yesterday in the LA Times about how Leslie Odom Jr. originally passed on this role and um, he reconsidered and, and his reasoning is sound. I mean, it's an ambitious movie. It's a really, really ambitious movie um, and a movie that, you know, adapting a stage play to the screen is tough. To, it's tough to do it effectively. We've talked about it before. And, you know, doing what they did in this movie, you know, imagining what these four titans would have talked about, you know, these people who are just huge personalities, huge historical figures. It is, you know, Leslie Odom Jr. called it audacious. I mean, I think it's exactly that. It's bold. Um, So, and, and, you know, when he knew that he would have to sing A Change Is Gonna Come at the end of the movie, that is a lot to ask. And so I think he originally shied away from it. Um, But I'm so glad that he came back because he was the perfect person for it. And he, he... you know, to your point, really help seal it and, and really drive it home. So um, it's a good call. Maybe we'll post that article on social tomorrow or something like that so you guys can check it out. It's a pretty interesting interview. Um, my showstopper, I had to go with Mr. Kent Powers' screenplay. Um, he's, like I said, he's the playwright and he's also the screenwriter. He also, he's an up-and-comer. He's sort of newish on the scene, but he wrote for Soul. He wrote and co-directed Soul as yeah. well, which ha- we talked about that a couple episodes ago if you didn't listen to it hop back and listen to it. Um, a really thoughtful movie soul and just incredibly thoughtful. And his approach was totally the same here. I, I would describe it as nothing less than completely thoughtful. Like, like I was just talking about when you're imagining these conversations, you have to be responsible in doing so. You, you have to be as true as you can possibly be to what we know about these people to make it not, irresponsible. And, and and I think something that we talked about when we talked about the trial of the Chicago seven, people criticize Aaron Sorkin sometimes for, for taking, creating historical fiction after you know what happens, you know, like using hindsight to make your story better. Um, but I think in this case, he, you know, Kent Powers really reigns it in and he doesn't go crazy and make it like, oh my gosh, they're having all these incredible conversations, but the conversations they were having felt very real. And they, the best thing that they accomplished is explaining the deep complexity of race relations in America in the 60s and those issues that are still relevant now and, 
And the screenplay being as sound as it was answered that question that we always ask it uh, of um, why are you adapting this to film? It answered it right there. It was like, boom, now is the time for it. It needs to be seen by mass audiences. There are things happening that were happening in the 60s that are still happening now. There are conversations that people are still having. And Kent Powers knew that this, this is not cut and dry. <laughs> you know, if, if race relations were super easy to solve, it'd be, it'd be a done deal. There is a high level of complexity and, and everybody has a different viewpoint based on where they were raised. And that was perfectly shown through Sam Cooke and uh, Malcolm X, you know, seeing things differently, but still being close. I mean, it's just, it's beautifully yeah. written. It really is. It's beautifully written. And again, I go back to level of difficulty on this movie was extremely high when you have a movie that has no major events taking place to drive the story forward. It's only dialogue. It's only dialogue. So I thought to do that and keep people's attention for a two-hour-plus movie, um, bravo. Just incredible. Yeah, you're right. The main, the main event, the main action of the movie happens at the start. You have the fight. <laughs> the fight, yeah, that's it. There it is, right there, and then then the rest is uh, is really just uh, the 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 characters, uh, the people, um, articulating where they're at in life at, at that time. And if that's if that if you're like, nah, I'm not much of a talky guy, reconsider. You know, mm-hmm. it does take place in mostly one location. There's probably six locations altogether that they travel to. Um, very very intelligently done too, uh, as the, as they travel, but reconsider for sure for sure this this definitely doesn't lose momentum at any point yeah 100 percent agree I, I think we'll yeah let's jump into director shoes because i have more to add there but i 100 percent agree like if you're someone who's like uh it's just dialogue but pass like i don't want to i don't want that to be lost like it it, it yeah. is it is all dialogue but it's it's really well executed but isn't life all a dialogue cameron Yes, it is. That's what I have to say to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. It sure is. And that's why we love this stuff. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go into director's shoes. What notes do you have for our new director on the scene, Regina King? Miss Regina King, uh, stellar debut performance uh, as director. Bravo, bravo. I would say that very similar to... So the, the easiest thing to compare this to is the most recent... Um, the most recent film that was also a stage play that, that, that is akin to these. So, um, of course we, we had, uh, Ma Rainey's black bottom, uh-huh. which uh, honestly did not really feel like it was a, an adapted stage play. That could have been, <laughs> if that was written today, I'd have been like, all right, look at this movie that was compiled. Um, but if we look back at the other one in the cycle, uh, from, from August Wilson fences also, uh, you know, directed star Denzel Washington, Fences felt like it was adapted from a stage play. 100%. Um, and this one did does too. Like you and maybe people can't notice it unless they are unless they're big theater goers or they've been to the theater enough times to kind of know the tricks of the theater to know how you guide your audience uh, through a story on a stage and that's that's what this felt like um, a lot of the time. But I'm a big theater guy, so it it didn't give me um, I wasn't like, ooh, I see you. It was just familiar. So yeah. I knew what, what they were doing with their storytelling. And obviously it was easy for them to tell it like that because of, I'm sure, the state, the original stage directions. 
it's kind of hard to to pull those apart when <laughs> when it's ingrained in the original script and in, in the pulse of the story. Uh, so I would say that that the reason I chose chose Aldous Hodge as the best actor in this movie is because he has the most film experience of those actors. And it was clear that he was commanding the screen like a film actor versus a stage actor. Um, and that was, that was present. And Leslie Odom, who we know is a stage actor was leaps and bounds, um, uh, better than the, than the others, as far as in line as who is, who is taking this as a film versus a stage. Yeah. Um, so the, the direction was a little, was a little too, um, uh, stage theatrical. I I was hoping that there would be a be- a even bigger translation to uh, uh, to give us what what this story is like on film. Despite that, still loved it. Yeah, yeah. Good notes. Um, for my director's shoes, I think we could have used some more historical context. I think that some of what's going on at the beginning could have been swapped out for different scenes of character development for these guys. I think especially when it comes down to um, Malcolm X and Sam Cooke, you know, some of those, like, the Copacabana scene with Sam Cooke, like, okay, I get what they're trying to get at there, but, like, we know that, you know? Like, we know we know, we, we know that it's the 60s, you know, and we know what, what people went through in the 60s, and um, so we don't need to hash that out. I think we could have done with more historical context. I thought the scene that they did with... Um, Jim Brown returning to yes. his home, I thought that was brilliant. And I would have liked to see that kind of permeated throughout the other characters. And I think I get why they focus around the Sonny Liston fight, but just too much time there, too much time spent. I think we could have cut that down a bit and, and added some historical context to help it. Whenever Malcolm X is talking, that's Malcolm X. I mean, he's, he's got, if you've ever seen Malcolm X, the Spike Lee movie, um, a lot interesting person lots going on there that could have been delved into that I think they probably should have gotten more into because the main conflict ends up being between Sam Cook and Malcolm X and if you don't have that historical context of where Malcolm X is coming from what his life was like growing up you know everything that he's been through going to prison etc it it's hard to get get there emotionally for sure um so I think that's what I probably would have done differently. And and so I think I would have added a little bit to the runtime so that I could get that in. So I'm sure there are scenes that do that that ended up on the cutting room floor to go with different scenes that perhaps felt a little bit better, felt like an easier way to ease into the movie. But I think they could have gone a different direction and focused more on the historical side there. So That's a great point. That's a great point because, I mean – there, there's so much that happened during that time period that we're still kind of digesting. You know, there are, th- there are things that happened that, um, quite honestly, the public was either, um, censored on, on stuff that like really occurred. Um, or it just didn't, it just didn't get publicized. Like, uh, we see it today, things that happen. Uh, there's so much news out there that it's impossible to see it all. So to be able to, to, display more of of exactly who these people were to that level you're exactly right um i accidentally by happenstance before i knew this movie was even coming out that was that it was in production and filming and all that i watched uh, 
uh, as I was hanging my Christmas lights uh, at the in November last year, I watched um, uh, the two killings of Sam Cooke. Um, it kind of talked about his life in the industry, and it's on streaming on Netflix now. Um, and it also talked about his death and and what what happened and then what surrounded that. And then after that, I saw that on HBO Max. Uh, I had X amount of days to watch Malcolm X and I never watched Malcolm X all the way through. So I was like, sweet, I'm going to watch this through. And then lo and behold, as I'm halfway through watching Malcolm X, cause it's a four hour movie. I, I see, Oh, one night in Miami is coming. I was like, this is so perfect. And so for, so for me, I had that kind that immediate, at least uh, cinematic con- uh, uh, references to, to join this movie. So I hear you on that for, for saying someone who's coming in blind, maybe they don't have a lot of knowledge. Maybe they're younger. They don't know all the, all the details. I would say, yeah, we definitely need some more, more information there. Yeah. So I went back and watched Malcolm X after I watched this movie, because I felt like that void, there was that void. I was like, man, I don't feel as connected to this character as I feel like I should. And then I watched Malcolm mm-hmm. X and I'm like, ah, there we go. You know, like, there, there it is. I mean, took Spike Lee three and a half hours to give it to me. Like you said, the dude doesn't make short movies, but um, yeah, it, it was helpful to have that context. So I think it would have been good to have it a little bit of that here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's do overall thoughts and final scores. Uh, like we said at the outset, this is expected to be an Oscar contender. Um, let's see where we land on it. A very cool movie, very cool concept to dive into this. Um, because it's a stage play, it's very also easy to compare it to uh, the Million Dollar Quartet, which uh, that was a, an actual full-blown musical on Broadway, had lots of success. And that was the, there was this famous photo of um, Elvis Presley, Johnny Cash, um, Carl Perkins, and now I have to look it up. And oh, Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis. Uh, so they're sitting at a piano. They all happen to be at Sun Records Studios in sometime in the late '50s, uh, right before this happened in the early '60s. And so that that show very similarly was about what what life was like to them. Um, they they now obviously very different. Those are four white men, and they they still talked about race during that time though. Which and they they actually talk about women's rights during that time during that show as well. Um, so they the, each show is very different in its own right. Uh, so it was it was really neat to see this uh, coming out. And I it's such a it's so frustrating because it was gonna go on. It was gonna debut in 2020, and COVID destroyed that. So I really hope that when Broadway opens back up, this thing can shine. Uh, and I really think it, it real. I really think it will. So this this movie, big Oscar contender. I think it's got a lot of weight. I think it's got a lot of power to to really sweep some stuff. I'm gonna go with 9.5 kernels out of 10. Yeah, great score. Love it. Um, man, I had a hard time scoring this movie. It was just, I knew it was high, but I was just like, uh, where am I, where am I landing on? I thought Regina King did an impeccably great job for a first time director. I mean, she's got a bright future in directing. I can't wait to see what else she's got coming. I think her and Kent powers, um, matching up on this was just, you know, they made music and it was excellent. I think, there are some things from an executional standpoint I would have done differently that I delved into in, in director's shoes. But um, overall, I mean, I think if this doesn't get nominated for Best Picture, I'd be shocked. I think it's one of my favorite movies from you know this Oscar cycle and really well done. I'm, I'm actually eager to watch it again because I feel like 
there is more to delve into there. Um, so I'm giving it an 8.9 out of 10. I thought it was really excellent. Um, I expected to see, I expect to see some asking acting, uh, nominations for sure. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we got, uh, I definitely would be surprised if it didn't get nominated for best picture, I should say. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if any of these guys took home an acting award. So, um, and maybe, maybe an adapted screenplay. I don't know. It, it, there is definitely Oscar award potential for this movie. It was, it was very, very good. Awesome. All right. Well, that's one night in Miami. Like I said, it's, it's available on Amazon prime. So be sure to check that out. You know, bum your parents password, whatever you have to do, uh, to be able to watch it. It's, it's a good one. And it's just very thoughtful. And, and, and I think we both, we both scored it very highly. So, um, if you agree with us, then you'll enjoy it. Um, but let's let's shift gears again abruptly. Like I mentioned at the outset, today is national planning a vacation. Oh yeah, do the uh, palate cleanser with all that nonsense. Um, today is national vacation planning day. Yes. So it got us thinking. Sometimes you watch a movie and you think, I would like to go there. I would like to disappear into that movie and live there. Or, or vacation there, or at least visit for a time. So let's dive into that. We're going to do our schoolyard pick of movies or places from movies that you would like to vacation to. And I get to kick us off here. Um, okay. This is tough. There, there are a lot of good options, surprisingly. I think number one on my list is going to have to be Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. That's number one, and and I'm talking the Gene Wilder Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory. That yes, that scene, the pure imagination scene with Gene Wilder, is one of the greatest scenes in the history of film. It is so good. It is masterful. It like that movie is old as all get out, and I still watch that scene and go, oh man, that looks awesome. So I just would love to visit the Chocolate Factory when those giant white doors open after the elevator and there, there was such a possibility for that to look super cheap. Oh yeah. Like they, they went all out. They wanted to make sure that that place looked as authentic as a real candy garden could be like, Oh, it's so good when they, so two favorite parts of that, the big uh, mushrooms that they like reach into the white part. And it's like, it's like cool. Whip or like some sort of cream looks incredible. Yeah. Also, of course, the drinking of the like chocolate out of the cup and then taking a bite out of the cup, it's just iconic. And I would love, I'm allergic to chocolate, ironically. So that could be a, a living hellscape for me in, in the chocolate <laughs> factory. But there are plenty of, you know, they have the everlasting gobstoppers. They have yes. the gum that's like a five course meal that turns violet, violet, violet. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's just lots of options there. I could st- I could stay away from... I'm not going to go Augustus Gloop and fall into the Chocolate River, but I'll mm-hmm. get my fill of other things. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with... This is difficult. This is difficult because... It is. There's it's, so many ways you could take this because you also have to think about, like, the cons. So, like, if I say... <laughs> the safety the safety factor? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, oh, if I just, like, easy... First choice that comes to your mind is, like, oh, I'll just go to Star Wars. No, they're living under constant distress yes. and war. Like, 
you got to be really careful about where you think you're going. You in can't Star just be Wars. going to Tatooine. Like you might be under attack. It's just you got to be careful. No, no. So I'm going to start this off with a very pleasant uh, trip to 51st Dates because that takes place in <laughs> Hawaii, nice. ladies and gentlemen. Very good. Yeah. Good choice. This is a quirky movie. You know, it may be Adam Sandler's last decent movie. <laughs> That's hard mm. to say. Could be. Uh, besides, last decent comedy, I should say. Of course, yeah. we saw Uncut Gems, and that is a gem. That is it a is gem. a gem. Um, but 51st Dates, where there's true, authentic comedy, not really uh, as as least forced comedy, blue humor as possible, you know, like, it, it's just great. And it's on this uh, backdrop of this of the beautiful, beautiful islands. So um, I've been to Hawaii one time, and I want to go 30 more times before I die. So don't know how to make that happen, but 51st Dates. It is paradise. Hawaii, it's... Um... I went for the first time a couple of years back. Unbelievable. We went to Maui. I was like, this is the greatest. This I can see why people enjoy this. <laughs> it's yeah, basically yeah. where I was at. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is nice. I could see I could see this. Um, good pick. I like that one. Okay. Now you did mention Star Wars. I did. And the difficulties therein. Um, I'm picking Star Wars. More specifically, I'm picking the planet of Coruscant, which is sort of like the capital, like where the Republic government goes down, like where that happens. Yes, just thinking, where it literally goes down. It gets bombed, Cam. It does. It does. <laughs> but I would go on like a like a chill day, you know, like <laughs> thing, like no budding uh, wars or deaths or anything. I think of this as kind of like taking a trip to Washington, D.C. It's like, yeah. uh, go visit the Jedi Temple, go visit the Senate, you know, the Galactic Senate, go visit, you know, whatever. There's lots of good places to eat. That's the kind of vacation I'm seeing here. So, um, yeah, let's hope I pick my times right and I don't end up in the middle of an intergalactic conflict um, or blown up by the Death Star or something. Like, that would be bad. But um, <laughs> I think if, if I play my cards right, it could be pretty enjoyable. Beautiful, beautiful. I'm going to go with my next pick, a little place called Bruges. It's in Belgium. Oh, in Bruges. Yeah. Yes. There's this wonderful movie, Milvie. I'm calling them Milvies from now on, called In Bruges with, uh, uh, it's from um, the man. Oh my gosh. What's wrong with me? Cameron, help me. Help me. I'm falling. I'm falling apart. Who are you looking for? The director? Yeah. What's his name? I know Colin Farrell's in it, right? Martin McDonough. Martin, Martin McDonough, McDonough. Yeah, he's a famous playwright. I love his. I love. I almost love his his uh, theaters even more. So Martin McDonough wrote this wonderful film in Bruges with Colin Farrell, and it's this tiny little t- town in Belgium that they escape to for horrible reasons. But I always find myself, you know. Um, I think I probably play on my phone too much. I think my wife thinks I play on my phone too much. Uh, you know, I admit it. <laughs> I admit it. I should, you know. That's the first step, Kirk. That's the first step. <laughs> so it it's difficult because I I have to be in contact with X amount of people for my job. So, you know, like when, uh, 10 years ago on my honeymoon, I went on a cruise and there, we got no internet no connection could talk to no one. It was so cool. And so I think like a little town like Bruges would be like that stone, stone walkways and bridges and little gondolas through the town. And 
that's where I want to go. I think it'd be pretty fun uh, as long as I'm not in the other antics that happen in that film. Yeah. You just want the vibe. You want the vibe. Yeah. You want to get off the grid a little bit. I feel you. I feel you. That's yes. a good one. Um, okay. My third pick. I am going to go with Tron. Take me Ooh. into take me into Tron, baby. It's just it's just great. I just you know Tron Legacy that movie, the the aesthetic, the Daft Punk music. I just envision myself being in there, riding on one of those laser bikes, doing my thing. There's Daft Punk playing, just definitely definitely loud behind me. Um, it just sounds great. I don't think it would be like a full vacation, but I think I could spend a few hours trolling around there and doing doing my thing before things get weird and dangerous and Jeff Bridges tries to kill me and then just you know I'm out at that point get get out of there before Jeff Bridges shows up yeah for <laughs> sure <laughs> that's my third pick I want to go as uh I want Tron costumes for Halloween this year I think Ooh, be really fun. I like that that would be cool that would be very cool mm-hmm. Um, my next pick is hopefully our listeners know this film. I know you know this film, Cameron. Um, there's a little film back in the 80s or 90s with Martin Short in it called Clifford. Oh, boy. <laughs> Clifford. <laughs> Clifford is this little rambunctious child who just is untamable. He has got unbounded energy, and all he wants to do is go to this wonderful amusement park, Dinosaur World. And I, too, wish to go to this amusement park because <laughs> it looks like a blast. Like, there are some horrifying elements of it before, like, you know, the destruction of, of all that's going on. But, man, I think it would be killer to be able to go inside Dinosaur World from Clifford. That movie scarred me for life. Uh, like, <laughs> I watched it at way too young an age, as I often did, because I was the baby in the family. So I often was forced to, like watch movies that were like definitely like should not have been shown to me at the age that I was, was shown it. And that movie scared me so bad. He, the scene I'm remembering and it's all blur probably because for psychological um, defense mechanism purposes, I've blocked much of it out, <laughs> but I feel like there's a scene with him. Like he falls asleep on the airplane and has a dream about dinosaur world or something yep. like that. Yeah. And that's just, <laughs> That <laughs> scarred me for life. So no, I do not want to go to Dinosaur World, though I'm sure it's great. Um, <laughs> good call. Wow, what a deep cut, Kirk. That was uh, that was <laughs> that was deep. Um, okay, man, I'm I'm down to some really tough ones here. It's like hard because I don't want to leave really good ones on the board. Um. Okay, I'll take an easy one. You're not going to pick this one anyway because you're not a Lord of the Rings guy. I'm taking Lord of the Rings, but I want to go to either the Shire, which is where the hobbits live, Hobbiton, you know, or Rivendell, which is where the elves live. Rivendell is a little stuffy, a little bit highbrow, maybe a little too uh, formal for me, but it seems just serene and beautiful. Um, the Shire feels nice, quiet. There's, you know, you can grab a pint, chill out with all the little, little uh, hobbit people. You know, there's grassy hills, there's strawberries and cream. I mean, it just, it, it looks like a lot of fun, but I think it could get boring over time. So it's like, it's between those two places, but definitely not Mordor, probably not Gondor, because it's always going down at Gondor. Um, right. 
so yeah, that, those would be my top picks from the Lord of the Rings Middle Earth universe. Okay, okay. I see you. I see you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pick. And don't hate me for this. I won't. You might you might hate me for this. I won't. Uh, I'm just going to pick La La Land. Ooh, that's yeah. a great pick. Thank you. Thank you. Specifically the world of La La Land, right? So like we've got we've got LA, we've got I I want to get to the Griffith Observatory like yes. badly. Badly. You know, I'm a big Rebel Without a Cause fan and I would say 50% of the action in that movie takes place in the observatory. And then you've got La La Land and just the, the wonderful world of, of color and, and dance and the love letter to, to that city there. And so I want to, I want to be that. I want to be in the specific world of La La Land that Damien Chazelle, Shaz, Shaz, I'm going to call him Shaz, uh, created. So Damien Chazelle. Yes. <laughs> That's a great pick that I love that movie. So, so hard. It's, it's great. Um, love it. My fifth pick, we're really down to it now. I am going to go with the world from the Lego movie. Yes. Because there are like all these different realms that are based on like the different Legos you can buy. So this is kind of a hack because you could like go to like basically the, the middle, middle earth. You can go to like the city, like, and everything's just very colorful and everything is awesome, as they say in that movie. I think it would be so fun. I play the Lego video games with my wife all the time. We love them. Yeah. They're so fun. Um, so I think I would really enjoy just trolling around the Lego world for a little bit. Maybe I could even become like a little Lego minifigure while I'm there. Um, that would be cool just to kind of live that, that life for saying, a little bit. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's, that's a good pick, I think, for me. I think I would really enjoy it, probably more than most. Mm, I love that. Am I my last one then? Is it me? Yeah, final pick. All right, final pick. I got to go with, uh, you know, I'm not a big, um, I would say I'm not a big uh, period piece kind of guy, but this this show, this masterpiece show, Downton Abbey, uh, was really, it really hooked me, man. Um, it, it really, I, I was I was uh, against it for a long time. I finished episode one and I told I told Aubrey, I'm like, yeah, hit, hit, hit to go, go to the next episode. Let's see what, what this has going on. Uh, and so specifically, you know, um, we're, t- we're talking about movies, but they did come out with the movie. So it yep. is eligible. So I'll allow I want to go to the it. castle. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I want to go to the, the castle, uh, uh, at Downton Abbey. So it looks beautiful. beautiful. I haven't watched the show. I should, um, it's one of the, it's, it's the oppositional defiance disorder, Kirk, but that's right. Um, it looks just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I would love to go there as long as I still get like butlers and servants. And well, yeah, I mean, that's and, that's a given. I think you would automatically yeah. adopt a really great accent. Um, right, right. You, every every conversation you had, you'd be dropping little, uh, you know, double entendres, little like, <laughs> you know, little quips here and there that are buried in, you know, passive aggressive statements. I mean, I think that I that all comes with the territory. His handkerchief in his tea. <laughs> Exactly, exactly that. That all comes with it. That's all in the package. Yes, yeah, got to go there. Love it. Um, Any honorable mentions, Kirk? Anything you were considering that you didn't pick? I've got a few. Yeah, I've got a couple. Um, I did have Star Wars on my list. I have Couples Retreat uh, because (laughs) I think think they're at Sandals. Yeah, Sandals, yep. 
Uh, I've got The Proposal because I love that rom-com and I think it would be fascinating to be in Alaska during its like 30 day of, of light only stretch. Yes. Um, Aubrey, my wife has mentioned that sounds miserable and I just think it'd be really cool. I don't know why. And then I also had X2. I want to go to, or any of the X-Men. I want to go to uh, this. Oh, the, the X-Men, like Xavier School of Extraordinary Children. Gifted, yeah. yeah gifted, I want to go, I want to, go to the mansion. I want to go to the school. Yeah. That's the where I X-Mansion, man. That's a good pick. I did not have that. I don't know. That's a big miss. Um, my one superhero one that I had was Xandar from Guardians of the Galaxy. Looks really yes. cool. Um, I thought about Gotham City, but man, that place is dangerous. I mean, just so dangerous. I would love to meet Bruce Wayne, but outside of that, like, I'm not trying to get gunned down in the streets. That's basically like going to downtown St. Louis, you know? Like, it's just, <laughs> that's bad news. Uh, <laughs> uh, sad, but true. Okay, the Oasis from Ready Player One, That that's pretty yeah. cool. I got a lot of video game ones, like Wreck-It Ralph. That would be super fun. Um, the Wizarding World. You know, barring I don't want to get killed by Death Eaters or anything, but if I could just like stroll around Hogwarts and fly on a hippogriff or something, that would be pretty dope. Um, and then I think that's all of them. Oh, no, last one. This is one that I really considered picking. It's kind of an obscure pick. There was a movie called Brooklyn starring Saoirse Ronan. It's yes. this really romantic film. Um, man, I wanted to dissolve into that movie. I saw it in theaters. I was just like... Please envelop me into your essence. I want to live in this era. It's just such a beautiful movie, such a beautiful design, production design. Yeah. I just, I, I loved that movie. So I would take that. As we well. should have, we should have had at the top of the schoolyard pick. Can you edit this? Um, uh, what movies you would like to blue skidoo into <laughs> for their location? Blue skidoo weekend too, and then you flip Woo! upside down. Yes. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it should be called that. Dang it. Missed opportunity. <laughs> anyway, um, that's our schoolyard pick. I want to know what you guys think. Maybe we can post this on social, you know, to get the conversation going because I'm sure we missed some. Um, but we undoubtedly missed some. This was a tough one to pick for. So I would like to hear, I mean, don't say Blade Runner. That's just scary. I, I mean, like I, again, it's, it falls into the Gotham City category. I thought about that one too. And then I was like, eh, that's nah, a hard pass. Um, but yeah, let, let us know what you're thinking. I'm sure there are some fun ones out there. And that's going to be it for our show. If you guys have been watching WandaVision, check out our new YouTube series called Spilled Popcorn. You can catch it on YouTube. Um, you can subscribe to our channel there. We are doing episode deep dives into that show. We are up through, we are caught up with the show, and there's a new episode of WandaVision dropping on Friday, which means a new episode of Spilled Popcorn will drop next Monday with all of our thoughts on it. We are having tons of fun with that series. We're going to continue to do it for more shows after this, so definitely be sure to check that out. You can find it on our social or just go to YouTube, type in Popcorn for Breakfast, and subscribe to our channel. Um, we get into a lot there. Hey, I saw an interview on that topic. Um, Paul Bettany was on a movie podcast called Lights, Camera, Pod that Barstool has, and he was saying that there is one thing in this show that has been kept completely under wraps. Nobody has leaked it. It's not out there on Reddit or anything. It's the appearance of a surprise character. He's, oh. He referred to him as a he. He said it's somebody he's wanted to act with for a really long time, and he thinks it's going to blow people's minds when he shows up. He also said that he thinks that this show, when it ends, 
will have people's minds blown and it will make people rethink the way they see the MCU. That is what he said. Oh my gosh. Oh I my know. gosh. Who did I say? Oh, so uh, our predictions were that Doctor Strange makes Doctor Strange, sense. I think that would be a good one. Uh, I still think they... that prediction is intact with him saying that because he called him a he. I don't. I looked it up. I don't know that Paul Bettany and Doctor and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch were ever on screen together. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, thinking that could work. Maybe in Infinity I, War they were, but I, I, I don't think they were. I mean, if they were, if they're in the same scene, they weren't. They were definitely not in the same. Well, because in Infinity War scene. he goes to space. Benedict Cumberbatch goes to space with Tony Stark before Vision ever gets pulled into it. Right, 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 right. I even if they're, you know, obviously they're in the same battle, but they're, yeah, they're. He's not there. He's yeah. not there. What if? What if it's uh, Christian Bale? <laughs> what? Gore, Gore, the God Killer. That's right. They're just what gonna roll him in there, man. That would be wild. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I don't know, man. All bets are off, but I'm officially well, hyped after that tease that he gave. We'll speculate more on spilled popcorn. Oh, of course, I, I couldn't contain myself. Yes, we we will speculate like crazy. So if you're watching, first of all, if you're not watching Wandavision, shame on you. Go to How Disney Plus, you. watch it. Okay, it's fun. It's it's really off to a great start. Then watch Spilled Popcorn so you can get all the deets, all of our deep dives, all of our notes. And uh, we'll continue to follow that series along. Other than that, we'll be back with another episode next week. We don't know what we're reviewing yet. We'll keep you guys posted on social. Till that time, be sure to keep an eye on our social. Uh, We want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. Uh, We want to give a special thanks to our band rhetoric who um, created our original music that you hear every single time. And that's fading up right now. Um, It's been a lot of fun. We will talk to you guys next week. See ya. See ya.